All right, last week we began our, our series on identity. And that's a pretty neat picture of somebody took and digitized a fingerprint. <clears throat> I'm not going to give him too much credit, though, because he's on vacation down in the tropics. And, and it's just him and his wife, and I'm not jealous at all. Okay, I'm jealous a lot. But uh, really, really good dear brother of mine. But uh, as we started looking at this last week, uh, we, we opened up just describing uh, a lot of the different ways we identify ourselves. And uh, we're still going to be, uh, there's no nice way to say it, we're still going to be picking at those a little bit this week. Uh, I didn't throw as many pictures of my kids in, so they're not going to pay attention this week. Uh, but the first one I wanted to throw up, uh, a story that came to mind that I wanted to share before we got really deep into the heavier throes of Scripture, was uh, <clears throat> as we attended the memorial this week, I thought about some of the stories I would tell if I were talking about my grandpa. And my grandpa is still living, so he may see this. So I'm, I'm not going to tell too many of the funny stories because uh, you, you save those for later when you can't get in trouble for sharing them. But I'll, I'll share the story of two tags. Uh, my grandparents ran cattle for a number of years. And if a cow had a rather unpleasant disposition about her, they, they gave her one more shot. You know, you got one more chance, but we identified those cows and the, and grandma was very specific. She said, you have to make sure the grandkids, if they're going to work cattle, they know which cows to look out for. So the, the universal symbol on uh, L&L Ranch or Cedar Hills Ranch or whatever it was called, you know, it, it was the farm. Whenever we went to the farm, if a cow had two tags, you had to watch out for that cow. You couldn't trust her. And, and we, we were out sorting calves and separating calves from mama cows, which is always an adventure. It's even more an adventure when you have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old, and an 8-year-old helping do the sorting. Because if you were a grandson and, and you were old enough to climb the fence, that was the requirement. You had to be able to climb the fence in the corrals to come work. We were all out there. And <clears throat> this, this one cow that my grandma had already told my grandpa numerous times he needed to sell her. And, and that cow was well behaved up until the point grandma came out to tell us that lunch was about ready. And she's about 20 yards from the corral, and my, my cousin and I are trying to get her baby away from her and run it up the chute, and she, ch she starts chasing after us. She runs us both up on the fence, and my uncles, thinking this is a clever time to get the calf away, come running in, and I have never seen since an animal that could maneuver like two tags. She stuck a foot in the ground and turned herself inside out and went after my uncles. And, and by the time this 
one or two minute exchange that felt like a lifetime was done, she had run every member of our work crew up and out of the corral. And my grandma had had enough. She was at the gate and there was a two by four and she grabbed the two by four and walked in and just smokes this cow between the eyes. Buckled that cow to its knees and we jumped down, took advantage and ran the calf into the chute. One of the only times I'd ever seen my grandma really angry with my grandpa, she points at him and she says, I told you to sell that one. And that's all she said and she walked out. <clears throat> the next day, I know which cow was in the trailer going to sale. <laughs> but, but that cow was identified and, and we knew going in to be aware of that cow. And, and I think some of the problems that we run into in, in our life as Christians is no one's identified the two tagged cows that, that we're letting drag down our spiritual herd. And, and I'm not calling anyone in here a cow, okay? Definitely not calling you a bunch of angry heifers, okay? That, that's a modern thing where people are like, well, heifer? No, we're not doing that. Um, but there's characteristics we've allowed into our life that we start to identify ourselves, and especially, you know, we we've carried them almost our whole life, and and I, I left this quote by Sun Tzu in there because I think it's vital for Christians to know who they are and know who Christ sees them as if they're going to be effective for fighting in spiritual warfare. Uh, the other one is, is this statement that the enemy tries to get you to define yourself in ways you were never intended to by God. And, and the reason I brought up two tags is because when we identify parts of our character or parts of, of, of how we're identifying ourselves, then we're able to correct that mistake. Or we're able to sell that thing and get it out of there because it's not worth keeping on the farm. And I, I was really disappointed that we sold her. I think she probably would have made a tasty steak or two, but I, I don't know cattle that well. I just know them on the other end. You give me a cut of meat and I can do some damage. But, but these two tag elements in our life, a friend of mine shared this yesterday and I stole it. Uh, Floyd, if you're watching, I love you. Uh, ants, automatic negative thoughts. One of the, the biggest conditioners that, that the enemy has used to keep Christians from becoming all they were meant to be in Christ are these automatic negative thoughts. When you make a mistake, how you think and react and feel about yourself in that moment is an automatic negative thought. Okay, I'll pick on my 12-year-old. When, when he makes a mistake, out of his mouth, he'll say things like, I'm so stupid. And, and I, I look at him and I get pretty mad at that comment because I never want him to identify himself as stupid. What you did may have been stupid, but that doesn't make you stupid. Forrest Gump got this one wrong. It's not stupid is as stupid does. Because we all do stupid things that doesn't make us stupid. We all slip up and make mistakes and do sinful things that doesn't make you 
trapped and unable to escape the reality of, and, and I'm to the point, I don't identify as a sinner saved by grace because God doesn't know who that guy was. God, when He forgave me of my sin, according to the Word of God, He cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. So God doesn't identify me as a sinner saved by grace. He identifies me as saved. He identifies me as a son. He identifies me as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That is my identity, not in who I was. So I cannot effectively claim that old negative thought process. Well, I'll never be able to quit doing that because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You've made an excuse. And you've tied it to an automatic negative thought. You hit your hand with a hammer. You will have automatic negative thoughts. I've been there. You rip your pants on the barbed wire fence that you've crossed a hundred times without ripping it. You'll have automatic negative thoughts. You forget to put gas in the car. And that glowing light kicks on. You'll have automatic negative thoughts. Sometimes you look at the bank account and you have automatic negative thoughts. They're often tied to statements that we, we give our thoughts to our identity. I am, like I, I talk about with Xavier, I, you know, he, he'll, he'll say things like, I'm so stupid, or I'm so dumb, or, you know, I'm, and he'll identify himself that way. Or, you know, how many times, being real, when you put on clothing and it doesn't fit right, I'm, I'm so fat. The, this shirt makes me look ugly. You know, I'm, I'm not just speaking to women in the room. Guys have those thoughts too. You know, I, these work pants don't fit quite right. You know, I, I'm so forgetful is one of my favorites. I'm forgetful. I'll always be. And, and when, you, when you tie something into that, I'll always be, and it doesn't line up with the Word of God. You know, I'll, I'll always be addicted to sugar. I'll, I'll always be, and you, you slide in your addiction there. I'll, I'll always be that. That's not, that's not lining up with the Word of God. The Word of God says, for old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. Now, it doesn't say you're not going to have to fight that addiction. Paul talked about daily crucifying his flesh. Daily being willing to understand that there's a battle there and some days are harder than others. There's some days that Dr. Pepper really sings to me like that commercial with that little goofy dude. Woo, you know. There, there's days Dr. Pepper is singing to me, and then there's other days it's like, that's just another can on the shelf. Oreos have a much better singing voice than that, I'll just tell you. <clears throat> Oreos are like the Barry White of cookies. I mean, <laughs> and, and I just embarrassed Denise. I love knowing musical voices, you know. <clears throat> but... Uh, a great quote that came out during COVID time uh, by Craig Rochelle. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. If you are, are tying yourself to these automatic negative thoughts, it, and 
we all know simple math. Positive means you're gaining. Negative means you're losing. And if you're if your strongest thought in any given moment is towards the negative, you are losing ground that God has given you to gain. You're, you're losing the pace at which God has called you to walk. And, and so many times I'm grateful that the Bible talks to us about our, our life being like a walk. Like, like we're supposed to be walking on a path. And, and Jesus was very descriptive about that path. He said it was the path to eternal life was narrow and few would be that find it. And it's not an easy path. And if you think about that, if you've ever hiked any difficult trails, uh, if, if you're not careful about your footing, you will very quickly find yourself in negative traction. And that goes the same with riding trails. If you if you hit the wrong section riding off road, you may end up sliding back downhill. And I got Gary smiling at the back because I have a feeling Gary slid down a hill or two. Uh, <clears throat> but it, you learn from those moments, and and a lot of times we we find ourselves bound up in those negative thoughts because we we lose sight for just a moment of who we are. And I, I want you to understand that God never intended you to be stuck in a negative thought or a negative pattern. And Proverbs 23, 7, it's right in the middle of that. Most of that is about eating food with wealthy people. But the, this nugget of truth comes out that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And I want you to understand those automatic negative thoughts are very easy to tie to another scripture that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a lot of us in, in our heart have this abundance of negativity towards ourselves because we, we, can't, we can't identify with who God made us to be. And I'm going to give you a, another part of our identity. Last week, we talked about God calling us friend. This week is one of the most powerful words that we as the church need to identify with. And that is chosen. And, and this was, this was something that, that God had planned out long before he gave the human race Life. If you go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, Even before He made the world, and in the King James it says, Before the foundations of the earth. Which my children should be able to tell you the, at the laying of the foundations of the earth that wisdom was there. We talked about that in Proverbs this week. One of the most beautiful things is... is uh, Solomon is speaking on behalf of wisdom and wisdom identifies herself as being the chief architect of the foundations of the earth. And that, that's a freebie. Okay. Squirrel. Yeah, squirrel. <laughs> Sunday school. If you weren't there, you don't get the squirrel joke. But <clears throat> even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Going back to, I can't identify myself as a sinner saved by grace. 
Because God doesn't see that person anymore. He sees who He chose from the foundations of the world. Someone to be holy in His Son. And, and another translation talks about to be made holy through sanctification in Jesus Christ. And, and that, 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 is a, that, that is a hotly debated scriptural topic in a lot of churches. Is sanctification something that happens the day you get saved? Yes. Is it a continual process? Yes. Because the closer you get to God, the more He's going to root out things in your life that could lead you to being unholy. He's not saying that they're unholy. It's they could lead you down a wrong path. They could be the turn left now in your GPS that's wrong. Anybody ever have a GPS go psycho on them? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it makes me nervous when Gary's back there shaking his head because they go on some mountain trails and if you take a turn left now at the top of the mountain, you may be at the bottom really quick. Because turn left now may be a... 300 foot drop man use your eyes don't use your GPS oh, I pray for them every time they go off-roading because it makes my heart nervous and I'm not even in the vehicle Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 says this says for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God of all the people on earth the Lord has chosen you to be His own special treasure. That doesn't line up with your automatic negative thought at all, does it? Because last I checked, God wouldn't call His special treasure anything that we negatively tend to think about ourselves. Because that's not who God is. God's not going to sit here and, and say that you're fat, dumb, lazy. Any of the other terms we throw out there on ourselves, I can't finish something. That, that's, that's one of my favorite automatic negative thoughts. I can't get anything done. I'm not a finisher. That's not true at all because Jesus lives in me and according to the, the Word of God, He's the author and the finisher of my faith. So if I'm called to be little Christ, I'm a finisher. And I'm the chosen treasure of God. I'm not telling you to walk out of here like you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, but I am telling you when you find your identity in Jesus Christ, you'll begin to understand that anything He asks you to do, you're more than able to do it through Him. John chapter 15, verse 16. I'm not even going to turn there. I can quote you the best part of this. You did not choose me, I chose you. A lot of times we we kind of get that part wrong. We we think that we did something special when we when we chose to become a Christian, when we chose to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The reality is we didn't choose him. He chose us. Because as we already read before the foundations of the world, Jesus already knew he was going to die on the cross for Dale. He knew He was going to die on the cross for Nathan. He knew He was going to die on the cross for Xavier. He knew before the foundations of the world. 
and he chose you. <clears throat> you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Why, why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because Jesus chose us and he gave us the authority to use his name. Any of you remember back in the day when you could charge food? I couldn't charge food at Casey's on my own name. My parents had to give permission for me to charge food, which, as crazy as that sounds to people in the room that know, because my parents had their own cafe, why would I ever be allowed to go charge food at another restaurant? I'll I'll just have you know that my parents were okay with it as long as I was willing to pay the bill. I was able to charge there. I was able to charge at Sooners. And it was always with the understanding that I would pay the bill. But I couldn't ever charge under my name at those places because the, the I don't know if it was law, but it felt like law, was that you had to have an adult's permission to charge. You had to use someone else's name. I'm really glad that I don't get to go heal people in my name. My ego could not take it. I'm glad that I can't claim anything in my salvation because it came through Jesus Christ. That when there's a miraculous healing in my body or a miracle takes place in my life, it's to the glory of God because I'm not capable of doing those things. But I get to put that on Jesus' name. I get to carry the name of Jesus. And and this is not prosperity gospel preaching in case you're confused. Because I get to carry the name of Jesus because He wrote His name on me. Not because I did anything to get it. He chose me. Just like He chose you. So this morning as we... Getting close to wrapping this up. Matthew chapter 22. Verse 14. It's a very, very simple thing that that maybe will help you combat negative thoughts like no other verse in Scripture. When you understand and you accept into your identity that you're chosen, you'll get this. For many are called, but few are chosen. I want you to understand that the call to salvation goes out to the whole world. Jesus died on the cross for every person who has ever lived. But how many, in in our world today, how many people are legitimately living for Christ? Have really accepted the gift of salvation and are walking in the truth of Jesus Christ? Many are called, but few are chosen. You go back to the verse we just read, that you're not just chosen so that you can wave the banner and and say, look at me! You're chosen to bear fruit. And and the, the Scripture said, a fruit that will last. You were chosen for more than just being fireproof and going to 
to an eternity with Jesus. You were chosen to help build the kingdom, to share the gospel. And, and as soon as I say that, a lot of people get that automatic negative thought coming in. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You don't have to be a scholar of the Bible to tell people about Jesus. You just have to be able to tell them what He did for you. You were chosen to share what Jesus did for you with someone. And we'll get more into that as we look into identity because we're, we're a friend of God and we're chosen. And we're not who we think we are in our worst moments. You know, most people have a hard time acknowledging when they do something good. But we're automatically programmed to, to recognize when we're not good. And, and as, as we wrap it up this morning, I want you to understand the mindset that I, I try and teach my players to have at the free throw line. Uh, this is still basketball season. This is a great analogy. If you go up to the free throw line thinking you can miss, you're going to miss. That, that is the, the reality of it. Your body will fall in line with your thinking. If you go up and you treat it like it's another day in the gym and I've hit this shot a thousand times, you're going to hit the shot. What if we begin to to think about the fact that God has chosen us. He's chosen us for a purpose and for a reason. That when we go out of this building, God has chosen us to be carriers of the gospel. We, we don't hold on to it. We don't keep it as a prized treasure that we hide away. We treat it like the world's greatest virus. We're trying to spread it everywhere. Because we were chosen by God to bear that fruit. Even on your, in the times you mess up and you blow it and those negative thoughts come, you have to combat them with the truth of God's Word. No, I'm not stupid. Because I know the beginning of, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And I have a deep reverent fear for God. And, and God didn't make someone that was stupid. God didn't make someone that was lazy. God didn't make someone that was fat. God didn't make someone that was ugly. God didn't make someone who was meant to be broke. God didn't make someone who couldn't finish a job. God didn't make failures. God, according to His Word made me as a priceless treasure. And he said, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. That's what it is to be chosen. As you walk out knowing, there, there's always a chance that in yourself you will fail, but in Jesus, you become unstoppable for the kingdom.
I'm not saying you're going to be rich and powerful and of great influence. I'm saying that you'll be able to speak the truth about what God has done in your life and it will change the life of another person. And that's one of the most chosen things you can be. It's a life changer.